Hey, my name is Julie Leone and this podcast is called What's Your Thing? This is where I have conversations with people about their passions, ideas, pastimes, missions or lifestyle that I find inspiring. I hope you do too. Hi everybody again, it's Julie with another episode of What's Your Thing? And this week I'm talking to the lovely Lynn Arden. Um, who I met when I moved from Kent to Shropshire. She was at the school that I was working at and um, she just was full of bounce, full of bounce, full of energy, like Tigger. And then as we got to know each other a bit better, it turned out that my extended farming family and her extended farming family um, were friends somewhere in, in that network. And so it kind of feels, we were just saying, it almost feels like we're vaguely related in a non-blood related sort of way so um i think you'll really enjoy this podcast and i'm gonna let lynn tell you because there's so many things when i was thinking lynn what she's got so many things uh, but she's actually come up with a, a, a coordinating principle so lynn welcome and uh, nice to have you here <laughs> i know this is great any old excuse for a good old natter with my old friend yeah so because i so lynn does music does exercise nature and I was like where are we going to start Lynn and you said oh well I said I thought to myself okay I've got things I've got loads of things that are interesting to me that keep me busy that I'm never bored which which one do I choose do I go for the exercise do I go for the singing do I go for the gardening do I go for hanging out with friends and I'm thinking well hang on a minute there is one common element that pulls everything together and the one thing that pulls it together oh sorry the phone keeps ringing I'll turn it off um, is endorphins endorphins is the feel-good factor I go for anything that gives me a feel-good factor it's well-being it's happiness it's positivity it's motivation it's the thing that draws you to like-minded people and like-minded people to you. And it's just, and it's just all for free. And it's just easy. It's great fun. And I mean, you know, you know, Jules, cause you're sort of into these sorts of things, but and endorphins, they're like chemicals, aren't they? Released naturally in the brain. Apparently they act as pain relievers and happiness boosters. Now, if you were to take something chemical, it would be like an opiate drug. My friend said, God, imagine you on heroin, Lynn. You'd be off, <laughs> off your head. <laughs> Which, of course, I don't need anything like that because I've got everything sort of naturally built into my system, which I'm extraordinarily grateful for because sometimes you think, well, where did it, where did it start? How? Because I, I do think I've got a bit of a, a happiness gene. I don't know whether you can actually get something like that. But I've kind of, like my mum, she said to me when I was, when I was teeny weeny, she said when she dropped my my little brother off to school, he was a bit nervous and he didn't want to leave her. And she said, when it was your turn to go, she said, I dropped you off the school gate and off you've gone. She said, now you were all busy, busy, busy with all your little friends. She said, I've never worried about you in terms of wanting to get out there and and be amongst other people because that's what you want to do. So mm. I think I've kind of grown up with it, really. So yeah, endorphins is my thing. Endorphins, and, and so let's just unpick some of the ways that you, <laughs> you kind of get some of those endorphin 
hits. So I don't know where you want to start because there's so many ways. I mean, maybe one I, like that story that we were just pre-talking about, about your mum, because I think for me, when I think about your family, so Lynn's got a massive family, which hopefully she'll talk a bit more about. Yeah. Um, your mum, who I think I've met once in my mind, is kind of almost semi-immortal. And the story yeah. that you told me before this is, is yes. kind of feels really important. Oh, it is. It is. It is really, really important. And particularly at this moment in time, because we lost our darling mum in October last year, 23rd of October. And she was fit and well right to the very, very end. She walked every single day all the way through lockdown. We had the most wonderful time with her. You know, we walked up the lane. We, we went for the risk benefit um, element whereby we as a family yes we involved ourselves with her but very carefully she didn't die of covid she died of a nap she just laid down on the bed and went to sleep and she was the most remarkable woman she was beautiful and in fact she asked me would i do her um her eulogy this was like years back well actually probably about six months ago Lynn, will you do my eulogy and knowing full well i like to talk i said mum i'd be delighted and in fact, I said, um, because, because I'd been asked to speak at a little chapel down the road in Gaboen. They, they often would ask me to speak. I, I think they're perhaps a bit short of people. So I, I'd gone and I talked about the Olympic torch. And then I talked about my GB trip with my triathlon to Auckland um, and, and my triathlon journey. And they'd enjoyed that. And then they said, oh, would I go again? And I said, well, yes, I can. I said, but, um, oh, yes, I know. I said. I could talk about my trip to Africa. I've been to Africa last year we went. Well, so Lynn, actually, can I just stop a minute there? Because yeah. I think that it's really, I know this, do you mind telling people your age just while you're talking about oh, triathlon? Um, oh, all right, I'm 66. I started triathlon when I was 45. <laughs> okay, and your mum died age? 92. Yeah, okay. awesome. Because I okay. just think that that's a really important factor when oh, you're going, oh, yeah, triathlons in Africa at 66. Yeah, hanging in there by the skin of my teeth. Um, yeah, so so this little chapel group, they'd asked me to come back. So I said, oh, yes, I can talk about this all links with mum, by the way. You know, I know I'm shooting off in tangents, but um, so I, I said I can talk about a trip to Africa that I did with a little family um, whose mum was my very, very special friend and she died sadly at 46 but she's got twin girls who are now 15 and uh, a son harry and i i said um to sharon i promised her on her deathbed virtually that we would do adventures so we did go and we did an african adventure so i was able to tell the chapel people about this african trip and we went to an island called funzy and we um we we fundraised to put a flock of chickens in this place in Fanzi, which is on the east coast of Kenya. And then this little chapel group said, well, oh, Lynn, would you come back and tell us another story? And I'm thinking, God, I've told you all my, you know, my really, really good ones. And I'm thinking, ah, wait a moment. I said, I would love to tell you a story. I said, I would love to tell you about my mum. I said, because she, she used to go to Presently Chapel fortnightly with her sister, Frances Savage, to have lunch, they had a £4.50 lunch, very nicely, thank you very much, cooked by the chapel for, for old folk. And occasionally, if my auntie couldn't go, I would go with mum. And she would sit there gently and quietly, sit next door to Will, who always kept her a seat. 
And she didn't really say very much. But I thought, these people, they don't know my mum. So when they asked me to speak again, I said, I would like to tell you the story of my mum. I said, because she is the most remarkable woman. She's got the, a, a fantastic story to tell. For example, she started off um, as a farming family out in Kinton. Um, she, you know, she was brought up on the farm. They had threshing machines. They looked after sheep. And, and she said she remembers the day they culled the pigs. And she said it was horrible, you know, <laughs> memories like that. And we, we used to talk lots and lots and lots about her, her, her younger days. She got a scholarship to go to Shrewsbury High School and probably got a bit of jip because she was a scholarship girl, but she was a bright, bright girl. But then the bit that I really love and where I talk about my mum as my influence is the fact that, now bearing in mind she was born in 1928, she went to college in London to train to be a primary school teacher. Now this would have been just post-war, wouldn't it? Say, say sort of 18 on 28. I mean, that's just post-war. Now, how brave was she to have left? I know how it felt for me leaving my home snug nest when I went off to my college, but she would have left at, the, at quite a crucial period of time. She was the first to leave home. Her mum and dad really encouraged her to go. And, and she, she became a primary school teacher. She came back, she taught at Melville Primary School. However, <laughs> she then met my dad and farming wives farming and teaching didn't go so sadly I, I feel she she gave up teaching after two years um, to be a farmer's wife but she was completely devoted to her family because when I think about you as a family and I think I have met several of your sisters and possibly a brother and I think I've probably taught nieces and uh, of yours it, yeah. it's a you are quite a, a dynasty locally aren't you but I think I do, you're such a radiant family and I would love to know how she did that how what was it about how come what is it about the endorphins and I'm sorry are you, are you getting it's maybe hard to talk about it but yeah no no it's not a, it's not hard it's a joy mm. because and the more I've spent I mean even just through these last four months you know my sisters have been working and I've sort of just been you know they've come and helped sort of clear mum's house for example and we've very gently sort of unearthed little treasures that she kept so for example um i found a big box full of the letters that i'd written when i was at college that i'd sent to mum and then i'd found her box of letters that she sent me and there's a conversation going on between she and me via these letters. And one day I will like chronologically put them all together, which I think was wonderful. She, she, mum, she had six kids for heaven's sakes, un, under 10. I was the second in charge. No, <laughs> in charge, listen to me. I was the second. Graham, my big brother was, was first, though sadly we lost him two years ago. And that was, that was an, that's another story, but, um, and mum never got over that but so and then I was the second one and then um my brother Neil and then the twins and Claire but you see because I was a little bit older I was sort of like mum's little helper 
So I got permission to be bossy from a very early age. <laughs> Perfect for teaching. So, so I mean, you know, teaching and me and, you know, like sort of organizing activity and helping out and all that sort of thing. I remember once getting told off because mum always, bless her, always had an afternoon nap on a Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon. And we had always had jelly. Did you have jelly for tea on a Sunday? We had jelly as a treat on, it was birthdays and Christmas and that. It was a treat thing more than a every Sunday thing. Oh, well, that, well, every treat, it was every, every Sunday and it was a treat, a milk jelly and an ordinary jelly, usually orange with in. but the twins and naughty pair had got into the the milk house which was one of the old bits of the farm that we lived in Pentramorgan and they'd eaten it with their fingers but they didn't get told off I did and I thought that was really mightily not very fair but <laughs> when I'm listening to these stories Lynn I kind of thinking about the endorphin bit it sounds very much like hopefully kind of people can hear this sense of okay there were kind of squabbles and fingers and jellies but actually this very tight community, even on the day that she died, where she was still walking with people and people, you know, yeah. it, the sense, and is that, do you think, when you think about that and kind of that way of living, do you think that contributes to your kind of the endorphin bit for you? Oh, absolutely no doubt about it. I mean, where, where we live and how we've been brought up is extraordinary and we all know how blessed we are especially say after after we lost graham who was a pillar of our society but in a really gentle quiet way he didn't he didn't shout and he, but he just he was just there for everybody just like our mum and our dad were they just brought us up to respect one another to love one another to be um to take other people's opinions into, into account, not to judge anybody to, you know, we used to have people from um, the Derwin College come for Sunday tea, you know, in their little, little blue cars. Um, we used to have people from the, the um, Isteadford Choir come and stay with us when, when folk were um, staying over as a sort of, as foreign visitors. They, our house was always open to people, everybody remembers mum's table. And the number of people after mum died who said, I remember having lunch with your mum. We'd turn up and she said, and there was already a table full for eight people. And lo and behold, I turn up and there's another plate of, of, of provided. She was a provider, um, but it was just, she was just so kind and loving and, a beautiful radiant individual without doubting about it and it's it's roots uh within a farming family you'll get this here i live within i can see from my window here where i grew up where my dad was born where my grandparents lived over the road from where i sit my sister lives next door my mum used to live at the in the field just above where i live here we're all very rooted we all went away mum encouraged us girls especially the boys stayed home to farm but we girls I was a teacher the twins one Liz is a, an ITU specialist nurse working in Liverpool Royal still working with COVID patients um, telling us not huge amounts but how hard it's been working through this lockdown 
Carol is um, a physiotherapist. She works with head injury people, um, with strokes. Um, she, you know, she's done the most amazing things, you know, with people rehabilitation. Claire Myers is a social worker. Um, You're all the, the kind of common thread when I'm listening is all being of service. Yes, carers. Mm. And you we're, were talking care. about roots. So tell us that. Tell me the story about you three girls. Was it today where you went to the tree in the woods? Yeah. Tell us that because that's almost like a metaphor oh, for it, isn't it? Gosh, yes. Okay. So my dad was a very good farmer. Um, he he used to farm in the days where he said milk was liquid gold. I mean, sadly, farming sort of deteriorated a little bit, and my brothers both gave up. Um, but but anyway. The farm. Dad was forever recreating the farm and sort of making it as profitable as possible. And um, there was a little bit of woodland. Again, I can see it from my back windows that um, he decided in his wisdom, inverted commas, to take this wood out to put it down to increase the grassland for the cows for the dairy herd. We're talking Mom. about a long time ago, aren't we? Oh, so yes. Like, oh, I don't know. It's got to be 30 or 40 years ago. Long, long time ago before it was. But mum, who was an absolute conservationist, was horrified. But she, she, she had she had some influence, but not necessarily on, on some of the issues. But she did say to him, you don't don't you fill in that pond because it was a pond over there. So anyway, they took out these trees. But, you know, this bit of land never ever grew anything almost in its mind i imagine this bit of woodland saying sorry phil you've taken up the woodland we don't want to grow anything else other than trees <laughs> so dad eventually said okay then so he he replanted the wood inch by inch that wood is now full of beautiful trees and guess what for that task he was awarded, it always makes me laugh, a conservation award for replanting <laughs> woodland. <laughs> for replanting way cut down, but thank goodness he did. Oh my God. Okay, so this is the other lovely, lovely connection is that this woodland now is a haven to us, particularly us girls, because my darling brother Graham, who died, as I said, um, he left that bit of woodland to, to us. It's three acres. And it's where we go, it's where we go. In the middle of that wood, there is a little ash tree that has branches that just come down, but it's a natural seat. And when mum would walk across to the wood and actually even within a month of her dying, Carol, my sister, she took her across in a vehicle to the wood and she walked through the wood and we've got a picture of mum sitting in her tree, which was just the right height for her to sit with her face a glow because she'd made it again to her wood because I think in her mind she knew that perhaps life was running out but for all these little activities that she got to do again it was just such a thrill for her so so yes today um my sister is uh is, she's got a birthday in a couple of weeks time and we girls um, we were all off work today. Oh, I don't work, but the others were. So we actually decided we would go across the wood and we had a socially distanced picnic. Saturn sat around mum's tree. It's still got the tinsel on it that we wrapped around at Christmas time where we all went over and had mulled wine and mince pies at Christmas time. But we think it's going to be a very, very special space 
we think we might put like a shepherd's hut in there for the for the summer you know and have it as a space where we can go and escape to it's gentle it's quiet there's bluebells coming up there's we want to reintroduce lots and lots of other native flowers we want to chop back the brambles we want to we already manage the woodland and we you know we have firewood out of the wood from the trees that we've we've thinned the wood from but it's just the most amazing space that is got mum in it we don't need to have mum in a house we've got her in our wood we've got graham in our wood we've got dad in our wood and it's it's a wonderful space and we're very very blessed and lucky and that there's something when you're speaking about it, so i feel quite moved when you speak about that and that but it that sense of rootedness in the family but rootedness in in place and rootedness kind of that almost like you're talking about okay so mum's not here but we're going to bring the wood back to life and then she is there i mean like what how what is what part has nature played in your you know back to endorphins what what how does it fit with all that oh well it's just it's just it just fits i mean when we were kids we were never in were we you weren't in we we you know we we played on ponies we played outside we disappear for hours nobody would know where we were we played in the barns in 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 bales with tunnels and you know probably health and safety these days <laughs> would, would have a bit of a field day but my granddad was always down there he kept an eye on so when graham as a little boy fell off the granary steps granddad was there to pick him up um i don't know it's just it's just this lovely lovely space where everything feels together and, and we are lucky to have that space aren't we yeah i think and when you talk about your sports so like you're a tri triathlete yeah but and again they're outside sports aren't they so what is it swimming biking and running is it yes okay so this is this is interesting because mum again mum when i was about 12 every day for a week and maybe it was even earlier than that she took me and my brothers to shrewsbury swimming pool and we learned to swim in a week and the man there said oh you've got a natural in that girl i.e me so i learned to swim from an early age I had a pink bike that was always a bit of a mock when I was at school, but I didn't care. Um, she then took us in the Land Rover every day on a Friday before we went to school to swim in Oswestry baths, the old baths. Um, and then she made us bacon butties. This was six of us now, bacon butties before school. We went to school with red, with wet hair. Um, so so she, she gave us, and my dad also, he was a football player. He played cricket. My brothers played rugby, so we were a really sporty family and we were always outdoors. We were never indoors. We were always doing something active. Um, so I think she involved or, or, and dad involved us in a lifelong love of exercise, being outdoors, that feel good factor of wanting to feel fit. Um, and actually the triathlon thing came yeah, why would you start doing triathlons when you're 45 for goodness sake when right, lots of okay. people are going like so this, oh i know this makes sense okay so i did do two marathons the london marathon with my friend sharon i was telling you about and my sister liz and another couple of friends um in 1999 and 2000 and i was born in 55 so you can do your own work um sums i think it was 45 and 46 but we did it for the orthopedic hospital um 
at Gaboen. We raised a load of money for that. Um, but oh my God, it was hard work just running. And, but I thought, you know, I've got the ability to keep going. And it was my sister, Carol. Carol said, let's enter Ellesmere Triathlon. Well, I'd never even thought of it really. So I said, oh, go on then, let's just have a go. So we entered and we actually quite enjoyed it. It was the Olympic distance. We didn't sort of drop in at a sprint distance. It was our local triathlon. And actually I thought, oh, I like this. I wasn't necessarily good at, at one particular element, but pull them all together. And I got a really nice little package. And then, and then it kind of developed because of somebody who I beat in a triathlon one day at Ellesmere said, oh, I'm off to Hawaii <laughs> with triathlon next year because I've just, I've just qualified to represent Great Britain. I went, how did you do that? She said, well, I just, you go in through the British Triathlon Association, you say you have to qualify, you have to get a certain amount of, you know, you have to get a time, a good time. And um, she said, you should have a go. And I thought, ooh. So the following year I entered, I, I put in that I wanted to, you know, represent Great Britain in my age group, which of course, you know, sort of age, you like 46, whatever. And I got in and I've had actually 20 years of triathlon. Um, I've, I've competed for Great Britain eight, on eight occasions, obviously last- just say that again. Okay, so just say that again. I've competed for Britain triathlon oh, eight, eight times. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it's allowed me to travel all over the world. I went to, um, to, uh, to, to um, not Toronto, um, Vancouver, Auckland, Hamburg, Lausanne, and uh, uh, Budapest, um, but the, the, the best one was probably Auckland because that was the year after I'd finished teaching PE. PE was my thing, obviously, you can tell why I love to be a PE teacher. But um, I remember in my leaving speech, I said, look, next year, the Great Britain Triathlon is in Auckland. I need time to train. I can't train if I'm here. <laughs> I need to go. I finished early. I've been, I've been retired 10 years now. When I say retired, I just say I don't work anymore because retirement, you know, to me has got like a different concept. So anyway, I went to Auckland um, and I had the, the best time ever. I competed within the week. I, I shared a hotel with Johnny Brownlee, um, you know, hang out with the GB team, competed, had the best time ever walking around in GB kit. It's just the best thing. It's wonderful. And then the, in, 2013 having watched the triathlon in London during the Olympic year I then wanted to compete in London for the GB team which was the following year to compete on the same course that the you know the Olympic athletes had been which which is I, I got to do that as well which was fantastic and then the year before and I know somebody said to me the other day my friend Lucy who's one of my dearest pals she said um what's your dearest possession it was something somebody had asked her and I go do you know my dearest possession is probably my olympic torch because it embodies and represents so much of where I'm at in that the people who nominated me are my old school friends Sally and Annie and they they nominated me because of my influence to encourage and motivate other people into doing what I do through my PE teaching, 
through my involvement with triathlon, through inspiring other people, look, if I can do it, anybody can do it kind of approach. So I got to carry the Olympic torch. I got, because it was in the year I'd retired and part of my school role was primary transition. So I used to go and visit all the primary schools to say, come to our school because it's the best thing since sliced bread. I was quite good at doing that as well. So, <laughs> so the primary schools knew me. So I got to do my Olympic torch tour. That's what I called it around all the primary schools. And I took with me a, a student who I used to work with in the special needs department at the at school, whose name was Bryony. And I will mention Bryony, who also um, competed for Great Britain in the Special Olympics in badminton. And she carried the Olympic torch. You'll remember Bryony, perhaps. I do. Yeah. And, yeah. and I said, Bryony, will you come and speak to Maude Primary School, which was the first school I went to, because you've already got your Olympic torch outfit. And I hadn't got mine because it was the following week. I said, come and talk with me. So we went and, she, and, we, and I said, Bryony, now you got to carry the torch because you went to um to the olympic games for the special olympics and what sport did you do badminton she said and i said and Bryony, who taught you your badminton and you did miss often <laughs> <laughs> so it's just lovely so when i'm listening so it, it what i again what i hear is so you, like obviously endless and bundles of enthusiasm but also there's like you don't have that thing that lots of people have in their head which of like I can't do this or it's not for me or I'm too old or I'm not fit or so how how come you don't do you have that at all do you have those kind of I can't I shouldn't I wouldn't what people think do you have those thoughts at all nah <laughs> so what do you no, think I, that is do you think have you ever were you ever that person I don't think so I I think I think this positivity thing I, I've, I'm really, really lucky in that I've got a lot of influential friends who believe in me, who then make me believe in me. And a lot of my friends are quite a lot younger than me, but I don't see myself as any younger than them. So, for example, this week I've been invited to go on a mountain bike, and it's another big thing of mine, um, on a mountain bike trip from Hexham to Berwick-upon-Tweed in September. There's eight of us been invited. Hopefully we can do it by then. Um, but I'm probably 10 years older than all of them, but nobody will have even thought of it because in my mind, I'm not that age. I'm just, you, you, you just have to go with the flow. And I, I am really lucky, don't get me wrong. I'm so lucky because mostly I'm fit and strong. I work at it. Even through lockdown, I've done Pilates or yoga every single morning, apart from a weekend. And a swimming pool. Tell us about your, swim oh God, your God, swimming yes. pool thing. This was a great tip. <laughs> yes, in the middle of the summer, when we weren't allowed to go anywhere, I thought, God, I'm going to miss my swimming here. So I bought, actually it was my sister Liz, she said, Liz, you want one of them round swimming pools? So I bought a rigid pool, I think it was 12 foot diameter, filled it up with water, heated by the sun, I put a belt around my middle, attached myself to bungees on the edge of the pool, and I could swim proper. I really, really could swim. So when it was boiling, remember it was so hot, wasn't it, in the summer? Yeah. And I would go down to my pool and I would swim and swim and swim. And it was just mega. I, I put a nose clip on because sometimes you're forwards and backwards, the water was going on my nose. But you know, it was just ace. 
So I'm, I'm, I really miss swimming. I have really miss swimming. And when I saw that, I was like, what a great, I, and I think for me, it kind of, that sums up, up. you know, like, my, so I haven't swum. I did a bit of river swimming in the summer, um, but I don't like to put my head under the water because I'm never sure what's in the, the river. Oh, around yeah. by me. Um, People are going to yeah. go, aren't we? Yeah, we do need to do that. But I think that for me, that, that image of the swimming pool is like, well, if I can't do it this way, I'll do it that way that you don't take yeah. no for an answer, you know, just because we're not allowed to swim in pools and the rivers are maybe, you know, full, as my kids say, you don't know which animals pooed in there. And I'm like, well, I usually do know because there's a field opposite yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, so you just get round things. Yeah. Okay. So one of my things is don't think about what you can't do. Think about all the things that you can do and focus on that. Because, you know, you could say, oh, because at the moment, actually, I can't run as any, anymore because I did have an ankle operation last week and last year, last year, this time last year, I, I remember was in plaster, yeah. ankle reconstruction. Um, and so I have lost that sort of elasticity in my ankle, but I walk, I walk everywhere and I really, really stride out and I take poles and I sort of make myself, but, you know, maybe by the summer I'll be able to be, be able to do that again. I don't, I don't know, but... Um, but, but there's always something that you can do. So you t it's almost like, um, I think it's a, I don't know, it's one of those sayings about, you know, turn your face to the sun and the shadows fall behind you. It's almost that, isn't it? It's oh, don't God, look, yeah. focus on where you want to go and what you want to do and what you have got. Like, it sounds like you're, so when you tell the story of your childhood, you know, six kids and farming, there's probably another story that someone else might have told about kind of quite hard work and long because farming's not easy is it and then probably money was quite tight and those sorts of things but you don't tell that story do you, and do you <laughs> is that conscious or is that just because you were brought up telling the happy story that you it's just how how you do it I think it's how I do it I've got can I share this <clears throat> When I left teaching, I've, I'd worked for 34 years nonstop. And it was really hard to let go of teaching. And I felt rough about it. You know, I felt, and I, I actually went and I linked with a dear friend of mine who sings, her, name, her name's Abby. And she, she ran a glorious singing weekend that also involved a life coach. And she, this woman is called Dina. I think she's changed her name now, but that's how she was then. Abby did lots and lots of singing, which sort of really connects with emotions. Dina said, how do you feel? And you had to visualize how you felt. And I tell you, this moves me even now, every time I say the story. The visualization was at that moment in time, I felt like a pile of shit, discarded, chucked out. I'd done all this hard work, but did anybody really care about what I'd done? You know, I'd, I don't know. Anyway, there I was looking at this pile of shit. I could see it on my field at the back. And then I said, oh, hang on a minute, it's not shit, it's compost. It's the same bloody stuff, but it's how you see it. You can either see yourself standing in a pile of shit or you can see yourself standing in a pile of compost. Compost regenerates, compost creates growth. 
out from the middle of this compost, I saw as clear as day, this beautiful sunflower growing strong and tall. And then its head went like that. And everywhere the sun went, the head of the sunflower went. I am that sunflower. I don't always get it right. Sometimes you can try and support people too tight. And this is this sunflower keeps telling me the story whereby I once put a stake, because I grow sunflowers in my garden. Gardening is another big thing of mine. I put a stake in and I wrapped a piece of string to hold the support of the sunflower, but it dug in too tight because I held too tight. There was then a weakness around that point and the sunflower fell over. However, the seeds of the sunflower dropped into the soil and new growth happened again. Tells me so much. But, but yeah, I think that is a really, really good analogy. And it keeps coming back to me, that feeling of sort of positivity out of something that perhaps isn't. Mm. It's the I, singing. I, I, what comes to the singing in a minute, because just the sunflower metaphor, like that was a, a point, a choice. You almost like had a choice then, didn't you? Like I did. that, and you chose to transform it. And then the other bit that I'm hearing is that sense of how you you know the two the story of your mum's tree and the story of the sunflower and even the story of the kind of the the pond in the garden that they're stories of observing nature and going what can I learn from this what can I like the compost is that isn't it it's shit but then you go yeah. right, hang on I've observed this I observe that stuff grows out of this stuff so that connection with nature sounds almost part fundamental to this completely Mm. completely and that that was our mum's influence she you know we we know flowers flowers in the hedgerow we have a celandine competition every year where mum, the first person to see a celandine uh mum gave a mars bar <laughs> <laughs> carol won it this year actually quite early it was usually around my birthday but carol got it even earlier but um we used to do country spotters um with the Farmers Weekly, where, uh, it was a monthly competition where, you know, you learn how that sort of the, the, the trees and the names of the leaves and, and uh, all the names of the birds and stuff like that, you know, it's just, it's just part and parcel of how we were and how we were all, we've grown up with it really. Mm. Absorbed, it's all absorbed, I think. And it's, so I'm trying to think, you know, I've got friends that live in flats in London who've had a very different experience of lockdown yeah. than I yes. have and yet there's something about and I'm not saying we're not lucky to be up you know river at the bottom of the garden you've got a wood over the back but, I know. but there is something about finding your tree or finding your sunflower in your window box because it's yeah. the same process isn't it yes Yes, I mean, you've, you've just got to, I suppose, look at what you've got. Like I say, try not to focus on the negative. Try and focus as much as you can. And not everyone is as blessed as me, honestly. I, you know, I, I feel my heart goes out. I've got nephews and nieces who are sort of stuck in the middle of cities in amongst of all this. And you just want them to come home and wrap their, your arms around them and they just can't get out. Um, but. but there's almost like a list of ingredients said that you're saying that I wonder if they're 
So you're, it's like your ingredients are be outside. Yes. Notice nature. Yes. Be of service. Oh, big time that. Yeah. Have close friendships that go a long way back. Yes. Like-minded people. Yeah, who appreciate you and can see how you're growing. Yeah. Um, you know, don't think about what you can't do, think about what you can do. Yeah. So it's almost like, a, you know, that's, there's probably more that we've said, but that the being of service is, is central to your family, you know, like that, your mum always having a place at the table and you, right. you know, doing the stuff with Bryony and then you taking your friend's kids off to Africa. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, all, it's all stuff like that where, but you, you just, the more, I think the more you give, the more you get. I know it's an old cliche, but it, it, there, is, there is no doubt about that. And, and um, the, the one thing that, that singing has allowed is it's, it's a fabulous activity to be involved in that reaches out to other people. So I, I run something called an angelic upstart pop-up choir. <laughs> <laughs> So, pe so people know I love to sing. I love to sing. It's one of my things. I've done lots of it, you know, online singing. We've done, we've gone singing in barns and out in fields when we're allowed and in market halls in, in Ellesmere, you know, all socially distanced when we were allowed to do that. But obviously now it's just Zoomy things. But singing has a, an amazing way of relieving anxiety bringing together like-minded people with hearts and souls. They're just lovely, lovely folk. Um, and there's also sort of, it, they stimulate like a, um, a feeling of trust amongst everybody. So if you haven't tried singing, even if you can't sing, I would encourage people to just try and find a group of people who, who, who you could sing with. I've, um, the Angelica Pop-Ups Choir started, my brother Graham, um, he was the church warden of a church just down the road in Dudleston, and he are, he's, they used to organise carol services. So he said, oh, Lynn, would you, would you come? So the first time I went, I went with me and my guitar that my mum bought me when I was 14, um, and I sang Mary's Boy Child all by myself. But for me, it's about harmony. In life, harmony. Singing, harmony. Um, so then I pulled in about five friends, and we learnt... The harmonies to Mary's Boy Child and added a few more <laughs> verses and a few more different sorts. But then it kind of grew. And then I asked people within my choir, anybody fancy being part of a pop-up choir? My friend Abby would provide the parts. I'd email them out to people when they decided what part they wanted to play to sing. We'd come together for one rehearsal, having all worked at it together at home, pulled it together with one rehearsal and performed it. Magic. We then did it, and, and the last time was two, well, a year last summer. I, I've done two at Crifton's Parish Hall, where we called it a bit of a do. And um, I did it for Lingen Davis charity, because Graham, my darling brother, he died of cancer. So the first time he was there, and we raised a load of money for cancer research, and then the, well, for, for Lingen Davis, and then the following year, bless him, he wasn't there. But I... Draw, drew in the help and of loads and loads of my singing friends. I got my friend Lucy from, Ca from Canterbury came all the way up from Caroline from Sheffield came down. Lorna from Bakewell came down. I had all my local friends from my Roxanne singing groups, Mary Keith singing groups, Abby singing groups. They all came. Abby provided us the part of me. 
oh my god you should there's this one song um that was um love will see you through god honestly if you could hear that song the passion among among it was just beautiful and we were able to sing um I sang a little bit also with with uh, Lorna and Abby um, as a threesome and we sang Amazing Grace and I watched my mum sing it at the top of her voice and the week before she died again in October we were allowed still to sing outside I had five friends including Abby and, and Lorna and we sang to mum Amazing Grace and we got it on video of her little teeny little voice singing along with us this beautiful song because she also had a I ought to say she had a very very deep faith which has carried her through and probably this underpins everything her her sort of belief in heaven and earth and and God and somewhere else to go when you leave this place and the peace of that that, that all sort of provides but you know that it was just lovely lovely chance to be able to so sing for that moment so and it, so there's something there about because you know like my kids hear music on TikTok nowadays but there's something about the ceremonial there's something ceremonial that you're describing of bringing bringing people together oof yeah creating something transcending the ordinary transcending yourself um kind of and the kind of making amplifying the energy into something yeah. that's bigger than yeah. some some of those parts and and including because I know you've invited me to some of the singing stuff and I just haven't got there but it's that sense of again it doesn't matter if it, you know try the triathlon try the singing try, just come along oh, because even if you're a wobbly voice you'll be part of a whole so yeah that'll be fine that's right I mean I think if I were to say if I were to sum sum myself up it would be I, I'm a motivator because I just long for people to enjoy what I enjoy because I get so much out of it. And I think, well, if I can, I would love it that you could too. So that's the reason why I sort of draw. And, you know, it, and people do come now. People do come and they want to be part of it. Oh, and at the Christmas, we, we, we were invited to be part, well, Simon Airy, who was the vicar at the church down there, he's now the chaplain at the orthopedic hospital. And he asked me, could I get a few friends together to be part of the virtual carol service at the orthopedic? So, <laughs> and the orthopedic were the ones who did my operation. So that was another thing to be able to give back. And we sang at the um, St. Oswald's Church. And it's, it's almost yes, it's like cycling of energy that, you know, yes. the hospital helped you and then you yes. sung for them. So, yes. kind of and the compost turning to manure, turning to sunflowers, turning to seeds, turning to compost. So. Yes, completely. I mean, and the other thing I, I just really want to be able to, this amazing outlet that physical activity gives people. I mean, if it were a, a drug and marketed as the miracle cure, because it has such an effect on illness and you know people's well-being you imagine how much people would pay for it but it's for free if people could just be encouraged to get out there and do it well everything that you've described so far is free isn't it so swing it swimming running yeah. i mean cycling yes. okay you need a bike hugging a tree we did have a hugging the tree conversation earlier didn't we sunflowers <laughs> You know, it's it's free, isn't it? None of this yeah. requires money. 
No, or special equipment. You just need no. shoes to go for a walk. That's right. Well, we were saying today when we were sat in the wood, absolutely chucking it down with rain, and we didn't care that all you need are big boots and a big coat. And I think more and more through this period of time, we're going to end up needing to be outdoors more. But perhaps it's, you know, when I've been out on my bike and I've been out walking, I've seen loads more people engaging in physical activity than I perhaps ever. Maybe I'm just more attuned to it these days, but, you know, people are accessing it. And of all the things that I, I would love to feel that's come out of this lockdown thing is an appreciation for the small things, an appreciation for that which we've got. I know we're lucky, please don't get me wrong, but we have got access to places to explore. We have got, you know, we're not surrounded by like loads and loads of people. We've got beautiful scenery on our doorsteps. We have got a bike to get on. We have got people to sing with. We have got friends, you know, and aren't we, aren't we blessed for that? But it's just, and it's trying to encourage people maybe in circumstances that are different to try and find those things in whatever way they can find it. So whether it is a Zoom choir or whether it is a walk around the block or whether it is a window. Yes. Box. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. So Lynn, we've got about yeah. 10 minutes left. It goes so quickly. <laughs> is there anything Ooh. that you think, oh my God, I meant to say that and I haven't said it. We haven't touched on faith, and I know you've mentioned for your mum that there's faith. Yeah. I, I don't know is you know how, is that something that matters to you, and in what in what what does it mean to you? Okay, I do have a faith, but I think it's probably because I've been brought up with it. Also, um, <laughs> I I strongly believe that there is somewhere else to go to beyond this life, and if at the end of it I get to the pearly gates and they go ha ha you've got we've, we've had you stringing along all this time I know for sure that in my life I've led a more peaceful existence one of hope one of I'll reconnect with these people another day they haven't just gone you know the day that mum left we even said today can you not say dad and Graham on the other side and all the other family who've gone before saying come on Margaret you come with us you don't want to be sitting through a dark dim winter you won't be able to walk enough fast enough to stay warm enough um you know you don't really like the dark nights you come and be with us now your life's work is done and and her dear lord and she she used to read her every day with Jesus every day um and her other thing was um she loved mother Teresa and one of her things was, um, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Oh. And that was, we put it on the front of her service sheet. And uh, we've all had us girls, all of us, including girlfriends, we've had a little silver bracelet made on Etsy. Uh, one of my, my, another dear friend of mine, Lou, she, she, she had one and she told me about it when I was telling her the story about this lovely quote that was mum's mantra for life. And uh, she said, oh, we've had it printed on the inside of a silver bracelet. So we've all had one. So Claire's birthday, she hasn't had hers yet and her birthday's on Thursday. So we're going to give her her silver bracelet. But again, it's a lovely- Say it again, what is it? 
as a little silver bracelet. I should have worn no, but what's it. What's the saying? What's the saying again? Just say the saying. Oh, again. Um, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things, but with great love. Oh. And that was mum. She yeah. wasn't somebody who. Well, that's kind of you too. I mean, you've done some great things, but you also do lots and lots and lots of small oh, things. I hope, I hope so. I mean, you know, and all the time I just keep thinking, and we think, we keep thinking, what would mum say? What would mum feel about this? Or what would dad say? Or what would Graham say? You know, even though these influences aren't physically here oh my goodness the emotional influence they still have over us on our decision making has been it's been massive massive and, could, and will think, forever yeah and I think what I've experienced kind of so that you know that wasn't my family growing up I didn't have the big you know farming family but not the family that I grew up with yeah um, and I think one of the things that I've appreciated about you and your family when I've bumped into them is how actually you know, not everyone is lucky enough to be born with that kind of family, but actually you're very generous in sharing <laughs> it as widely as you can to the people, you know, who are who are able to receive it as far as you can. You know, you're and that's, you know, maybe something else that we all can do is to give rather than to look at what you can't give. Yeah. You're saying give what you can give. Yeah. And, and give it with love. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even the simple things like, you know, when I go walking around the lanes, I always, they laugh at me and they say, oh God, who was that? I said, well, I have no idea. <laughs> you, you just get chatting. And because I, I, I like to chat to people because I said, especially these days, I said, these people, they might not have anybody else to talk to today. So just to stop and have a conversation with somebody, you know, and I remember once being with a trolley in Marks and Spencer's and somebody, you know, I was chatting away to somebody and my friend said, who's that? I said, I really don't, I, I don't know. I said, I have no idea, but I found out all sorts of things about them. Okay. I like listening to people's life stories and I think everybody has a story to tell and it's good to be able to, to hear, to listen and to respond and, you know, mm. and to share, share life. Yeah. Life's for living. So Lynn. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, we've I've got, got one, more, one more story. My so darling friend. Sharon, we were camping once and we were, went down to meet her future husband and, and my brother-in-law. They were sailing down the east coast of Devon. And um, we, we met this old lady and we said, what's that big house up on the hill? And uh, she said, oh, it's a nunnery, it's a nunnery. I said, she, and she said, oh, she said, we could show them what living's about, couldn't we girls? So that's another mantra of mine in life we should show what living's about. We should recognize every ex experience that we get that's a positive one and, and be really glad of it because there is so much good out there to still be gained and to share. So Yeah, so it's almost like the, because some people feel like, oh, I shouldn't show off about my good experiences or, you know, I shouldn't, shine so brightly but you're saying actually the brighter you shine the more it helps other people see or the more you can light other people up it's the little candle thing isn't it if you mm. put a little bright candle it it, it takes away the darkness mm. i know i get on peter's nerves sometimes because i'm a bit too positive but on the whole i think i get away with it <laughs> <laughs> so lynn have it as we're bringing this to a close yeah 
and we've kind of ambled and meandered through, through most of the things we've we've kind of covered all the things is there anything that you've heard yourself say that feels like something that you want to remember for yourself or a thought that you might have had that you want to remember for yourself well I ponder these things and I want to continue to ponder and to to almost build on you know because in a oh I've lost you. Uh, I I just want to not cling to or hang on to but just to carry on just what I'm doing I don't want to change much I'm very contented I'm very happy with where I'm at I don't want masses of change I just I want to be able to do more now that we're, once we're allowed to be out there but I think I've found a good place in my life I am I'm surrounded by lovely family I've got a multitude of marvelous glorious friends who wrap their arms around me physically emotionally spiritually and I am very blessed and if you had one piece of advice to someone who was less blessed, mm. what would it be? Oh, gosh. Find a really good friend. A really good friend to share so you never feel on your own. And preferably the friend should be somebody who shares your interests somebody who wants to be involved with the things that you want to be involved with so so many of my friends they're involved in exercise activity outdoors singing and it pulls everybody together there's like a common thread this mm -hmm. common commonality a trust of like-mindedness i know i've used that phrase before but mm -hmm. and it, it just surrounds you it's like a glow that holds you together and it makes you feel very special. So it's almost like finding the friends, but also finding the things that make you glow. So for you, it's the music and the exercise. For someone else, it might be, I don't know, Meccano. Oh, yeah. Completely. It's whatever it's the... is your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Find it. Yeah. So thank you, Lynn. Always a pleasure. Um, so I'm going to start the recording now. So bye. Thanks, Jules. Bye-bye. lovely. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening. Julie Leone here. Well, you can find out more about me at julieleone.com. But more importantly, if you know people or if you are someone who does a crazy thing or something that you feel passionately about or lives slightly differently, then drop me an email at yoursoulworks at gmail.com. Let me know about it and it'd be great to have you or um, your friend, if they want to, come on to talk about the podcast. In the meantime, if you liked it, please subscribe and if you can leave a review do that way more people find out about it just wanting to share exciting and interesting ideas um, particularly at this weird covid time take care